University is a week-long camp experience for people between um, sixth grade and graduating high school. We make space for God to come alive and see who He is and experience Him more and more. It's impossible to leave summer games the same way as you came. It's all about Jesus, and our experience there is all about worshiping Him and learning more about Him, but in the process, we're changed. There are a lot of forms of worship, but I think one of the most powerful is through music. And so the Summer Games Band is awesome. Every year they blow it out of the water. Their music is incredible. Not only are they great musicians, but they're great leaders as, as people too. Um, and I think that these students, when they come and see these people playing music and glorifying God with their talents, they realize that they can do that too. We have to learn how to worship in everything we do. And that's why I love the sports and the satellites because we pray before and after those sports allowed and that's something that you can do even when you're at work or at school. Um, and I was there as both a camper and a huddle leader. It was really humbling because I, you know, it's my job as a huddle leader to love them, but after I'd pray for them, sometimes they'd say, well, Erica, how can I pray for you? And that just, I think that was really impactful for me. You see people walk away free, and you see, you can see the burdens lifted off of them. The way, the way they come versus the way they leave, they walk a little freer, and they worship with more passion. Worshiping and loving God and not caring what anyone thinks and not worrying about how they sound or how they look, but just surrendering completely, just changed the way I worship. We experience God's love in such a tangible way, but it doesn't stay in one place. It's contagious. Summer Games really wants to make that story a reality for us, to, to realize that this is not just a story, that it really happened, and how we can experience Jesus' love through that story. And so every year they read the story and do a reenactment of it, and that's always a really powerful experience because a lot of people never realized that this is a real, real thing that Jesus did for us. It's not just something we read in our age-old Bible. It's, it's a real story of Jesus' love. And so seeing it in person is life-changing. It's a great opportunity for our youth, one that does change lives, and it's not too early to be thinking about that and inviting people to that for next summer. So thank you for that. That's wonderful. If you are able, please stand on your feet as we will join together in our call to worship this morning. Beloved, we have come together in the presence of Almighty God. We come to confess our sins. Praise his holy name, hear the holy word, and offer our lives to our God's service. Praise the Lord. Let us worship in spirit and truth. Amen. Together, let us proclaim our agreement in faith. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, 
suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Will you please join with me in our prayer of confession? Merciful God, we confess that we have not loved you with our whole heart. We have failed to be an obedient church. We have not done your will. We have broken your law. We have rebelled against your love. We have not loved our neighbors, and we have not heard the cry of the needy. Forgive us, we pray. Free us for joyful obedience. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Heavenly Father, we thank you today as one body for the many blessings you share with us. We thank you for the multitude of ways in which you provide for us and encourage us to share our bounty with others. Guide us to continually be mindful of those who are in need and to be your instruments of service to a world that is hurting and in need. You have given us the perfect example of how to be a servant, how to look around and see what others are lacking and how to fill that need. Lord, open our eyes and hearts so that we will serve you by serving others. Hear our prayers of rejoicing and celebration for those who have had great things happening in their lives this week and those who are praising you for answered prayers. Especially during this week of Thanksgiving, as we gather with family and friends, may we be ever mindful of the many ways in which you touch our lives every day and bless us in so many ways. Lord, we ask that you hear our prayers this morning for those who are in need of healing, whose bodies, minds, or spirits are aching, and those who need the touch of your healing hands upon them. As you comfort those who are grieving the loss of someone they love, so may we too reach out to those around us who are on the journey of grief. We also pray with you for those around the world who have been personally affected by terrorism and strife. We lift our voices with many others and cry out for peace and an end to the violence. Lord, we lift up these prayers of thanksgiving and blessing and pray that we can be your beacon of light and love in this community. Jesus, we pray these things in your name. And pray together the prayer that you taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. 
And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Good morning. Our scripture lesson this morning comes from John chapter 14. Verses 1 through 14, Jesus says these words to his disciples. Do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My Father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have told you that I am going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, And they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you for uh, these words that you spoke to your disciples and to us, Lord. As Pastor Mike comes to share them with us, Lord, we ask that your spirit would flow through him, that his words would be your words. And that those words would accomplish what you have set them aside to do. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Good morning. Good to be back with you. Um, I do want to start today by just taking a minute to uh, drink in a moment of celebration. Take another lap around the track from last week's celebration. Wasn't that great? The 175th celebration. Wasn't that a fun, yeah, it was a fun day? Fun day. Fun day. The music was fabulous. I, I listened to our choir today sing one of our uh, favorite, my favorite anthems anyway. And I thought, gee, you know, just it was a week ago we were doing that great celebration, and yet that spirit continues on today. You know, our celebration of our 175th year doesn't end. We are moving to our Advent decorating period and all that sort of thing. Um, And so I want to remind you that if you're part of our church, there is an ornament out here in the hallway with your name on it. Your name is on it. Um, So after the service, if you didn't pick one up last week, go ahead and go out there in the hallway and grab yours. You just need to know the first uh, letter of the last name of your uh, of your uh, to grab yours. So we certainly hope you do that. We'll probably have them out for another week or so. But since you're here, hearing my voice, I encourage you to do that. Secondly, um, I want to make sure those of you that are visitors here today feel, feel very welcome. You heard the, the, the talk about the newcomer's orientation. And at the end of our service today, at the end of my, my sermon, we're going to do something that's 
uh, normal in church congregations, which is to take an offering. And in this particular offering, we're also going to do something that, that we don't do every week. And so the ushers are going to have, a, I think, an offering plate more full than normal. We have the opportunity today to financially pledge your ministry support uh, for our 2016 year. And most of you that are members of the church received these in the mail from Pastor Mike. You've received other things from uh, Marty Labs, our church council chair, and Kirk McNeil. And if you have your, if you have your, um, you know, your pledge, because I call this throwing your heart onto a card, um, we hope you'll drop it in today. If you forgot it, like most or some will, uh, mail it in or bring it back next week. We continue to receive them for some period of time because, of course, our hearts are, are good and we, and we want that uh, opportunity. So, um, and if you haven't had time or if you didn't get one, I know there's pledge cards sprinkled around the church. Uh, we'd love to have you join us because we don't think that there's ever been a church budget worth giving to. But we do think there's missions worth giving to. And we believe that uh, God is calling us to a mission in ministry here in this metro area. And I do think that that ministry plan is worth giving to. So we hope you'll come alongside us. Pastor Keith read a few moments ago from John chapter 14. And I'm reminded I have a Bible that has the red letters. You know, when Jesus speaks, it's got red letters. Do you ever have one of those? And I heard a preacher last week say, you know... um, you know, the, the Bible are like your bills at this point. You got to pay attention to the red ink, right? You got to pay attention to the red ink. And in John chapter 14, it's all red ink in my Bible. Everything in there is Jesus speaking to his disciples and to you and me. And here in John chapter 14, he says something, probably one of the more debated, more uh, Uh, controversial verses in scripture, one that's been certainly spoken about a lot. And I'm going to focus in on that, on John chapter 14, verse 6 in specific. Many Christians are secretly uncomfortable with those words. When Jesus says, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life, no one can come to the Father except through me. Many Christians, many people in our age are, are, are secretly uncomfortable with the seeming exclusivity of those words. We know they're in the red print of the Bible. We see them. They're undebatable. They're, they're in there. And yet they make us feel a little bit queegee. We're uncomfortable because the narrative, narrative of the day around us, the narrative in the world around us seems to say, if you have firm, unshakable belief in that, you're intolerant. If that is how you live your life, you're viewed as intolerant by many in the world today. And I will take from that this to you. See, Jesus' words, I am the way, I am the truth, and I am the life, and no one can come to the Father except through me, are an opportunity to focus on what is possible to focus on what is possible for you and me and everyone that's ever lived and going to live, not on what is excluded. The exclusion is there, but let's focus on what's possible. See, I have been asked many, many times, Pastor Mike, do you really think Jesus is the only way? Have I got your attention yet? Do you really think Jesus is the only way? And I say, well... If you're talking about the eight noble truths, no, Jesus is not the way to that. That's Buddha. If you're looking to find out how to submit to Allah, 
That's Muhammad. If you're looking as to find how to lose 30 pounds before the holiday season comes upon you, that's a different JC. That's Jenny Craig. (laughs) And if you're looking to make a million dollars just by the power of positive thinking, no. That's late night infomercials. But if you're talking about the way and the life and the truth, If you're talking about the kingdom of God, then yes, and absolutely, I believe that Jesus is the only way. If you are talking about entrance into the kingdom of God, then yes, and absolutely, yes. Because the pronoun that Jesus uses, we don't spend, Keith and I, though we are learned and we spend time in our study, we don't spend a lot of time unpacking Jesus' Greek or Aramaic, but I want you to understand a little bit about it in the way Jesus brings this to us. Because actually, the way we read it in English is a little bit less, is more passive than the way Jesus says it. See, the the, the pronouns, the language that Jesus uses in, in Greek is emphatic, and it's exclusive. In Greek, this is interpreted to say, I and none beside me. I and none beside me. Because there's a category of one here, and I am here. I'm he. There's just one in the category of way, truth, and life, and I am him. That is why in Matthew 28, verse 20, it says, I am with you always because I am everything. I am everything. That's what Jesus says. And so today, while we might feel a little bit queasy, maybe our our knees will buckle a little bit because we're not so certain how to defend our, our position, our understanding of Christianity. I want to give you the opportunity to look at the three proclamations that Jesus makes here in John chapter 14, verse 6. First, he says, I am the way. I am the way. He doesn't say, maybe I'm the way. Maybe one of the ways. I Pick me, pick me. That's not what he says. He says, I am the way. And Jesus, make no mistake about this. Christians, please make no mistake about that. Jesus asserts that there is one exclusive path to God. There is one and only one. There are not many ways. There is one, and he is the way. There is a prescribed way. We know this about many things in our lives, and and, and yet, I don't know if you guys are like me. Let me give you an example. We want to find our own way. Years ago, while not part of the story, I had to get a new gas grill because my old gas grill had been taken off my deck. I don't know who steals used gas grills, but they have one more. Anyway. So I had to buy a new gas grill. I bought it, came home in the box, and you're aware I'm a guy, right? So I did guy rules. I opened the box. I laid all the parts along my garage floor, right? I stepped back and took a look at them and said, I got this. I started putting it together. I had wheels over here and burners over here, and it did not work. So I took it apart. I laid them all out again. I put it back together. I did this three times, rinse and repeat. And I said, this thing doesn't work. They made it wrong. And then I thought, maybe... They prescribed a way as to how one ought to put this together. And lo and behold, there was an envelope in there, and I opened it, and it had instructions. But this was the first wave of the New Age. It wasn't written in five different languages. It was pictures that even a guy could follow. So I taped it up on my garage wall, and I did figure one and figure two and figure three. And guess what? Their prescribed way ended up with me having a Coleman grill that could actually cook a pork chop on it. But there was one way to get there. It was the only way. 
But see, the problem with, with, with people, with, with you and me, you know, we've gotten so many freedoms that, that, that we like to take our own way. We, we like to pick the way we're going to go. We say, well, we know that this is the way, but what else is out here? What are our options? And the Lord is saying, there is one great option. Follow the path. Stay on the path because it's the way that lives to, leads to life. You know, in my younger life, when I lived in western Colorado, I was big into mountain biking. And in western Colorado, you have a beauty of high desert and mountain. And so one day, one of my buddies and I drove over to Moab, Utah, and we were going to ride out in what's called the Slick Rock Trail. It's very difficult. You know, usually, you know, like you ride a bike and you say six miles. You know, that's, that's a couple minutes work. You know, that's a half hour, an hour, something like that. Well, in the Slick Rock, if you can get six, six miles in three hours, you need to. And if you don't take enough water, you're not too proud to get down on your chest in a push-up position, you know, position and lick water right out of, the, out of the mud puddle. So they make very sure that you have enough water. And they make sure as you're entering the path, and I'm talking about a Utah State Ranger, and one day, the day we were gathering, there's about 30 of us gathering, it was 6 o'clock, 7 o'clock in the morning, something like that. And he said this. He said, stay on the path. The path is clearly marked. It's got markers every hundred yards. You know where the path is. It doesn't disrupt the desert. It doesn't wonderful. Stay on the path. And then he went on to say, last week we had a couple of guys from Iowa, they were from Blairsburg, Iowa, that decided to make their own path. And we lost them. Three hours in this desert killed them both. Stay on the path. Stay on the path. The path will lead you right back to where you're at. Stay on the path. And yet, <clears throat> we know that there are paths for us that, that lead to the right place, that, that lead, lead to places of, of safety and love and wonderment. And, and we see others taking steps away from the path, and we fear calling out to them, don't you see the path? We, we, we want you on the path. We, we don't want to infringe on the choices of others, even at their peril. Even if it's, the best thing for them to say, come, there, here's the path. See it? Do you see the path? And Jesus tells us there's a prescribed path. One prescribed path. One exclusive prescribed path. Now, see, we're Americans, so when we hear those words exclusive, we hear, oh, we want to do our own thing. But let me tell you, this is the good news. There is a way. There is a way. That's the good news. There is a path. There, there is a way. We so look at what we can't do that we don't look at what we can do. See, we're giving away. We're giving away. We, we, we don't have to figure it out for ourselves. We, 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 we are told which way to go. The way to the Father is the goal of all human living. That, that's what our goal is. It's intuitive in us. We know that we're part of something bigger than ourselves, and, and we want to be part of it. And it's not a puzzle. It's not a treasure map. It's clearly shown to us in the person of Jesus Christ. A week ago, Friday, I did the funeral of Diane Camp, who I worked with as a high school and college student. And her sons are generically my age. And you know, the, she passed away in the middle of the week, and you, you do a day or so where you're really preparing for the funeral, and then the funeral's a day or two later. And in that interim day, they, they really didn't have anything to do because he lives in Oklahoma. And so he told me uh, before the funeral, he says, you know, he says, when I was a kid, you know, 40 years earlier, he says, I, I, uh, I buried some stuff in the back, backyard, and, and I made a treasure map for it. 
And he says, and I found it the other day because I've always wanted to get that stuff because it was some valuable stuff from my youth. And I wanted to dig it up. And he says, Mike, I stood there. He says, there's so many holes in my mom's backyard right now. Because I took the, I took the thing and it said, go, go to the bottom step and take 17 steps out. But he said, here's the problem. is I don't know if those were the, the 11-year-old Jeff's steps or my steps. And I don't know if the step is the same step as it was. And then I was supposed to turn right at the tree, which we, which we cut down 15 years ago. And he says, I can't find it because my map is not good. Couldn't find his way. So, so the disciples are asking Jesus the way. I mean, Thomas says, Lord, tell us the way that you are going. And Jesus tells his disciples that the way is clear. Simply unite your life. Just put all of your life with me. Get, get, get in one, on one page with me, and you'll be united with the Father, and therefore you'll be living on the way. You'll be on the path that is the way. And I, I talked to my colleagues a lot, and I, and I will say that in mainline Christianity in the 21st century, there's an unfortunate amount of focus on the exclusivity. See, so many mainline churches, so many Christians in mainline churches are afraid that folks out there are going to say, you Christians that believe in one way are so judgmental. You're so closed-minded. But that's not what's in the text. That's not what Jesus is talking about. What Jesus is saying is, you're given opportunity. Well, what's here in the words is is for us to understand that there is a way. That there's a way that's safe, it's trustworthy, it's life-giving. And yes, the way is narrow. But check that out. It's wide enough for the entire world. It's narrow because it has prerequisites. Receiving Jesus Christ. Yet it's wide enough to accommodate the entire world. The, the point and the good news is, there is a way. There is a way. If the world, and because we're part of it, if we choose to accept it. And the way to it is simple. Jesus says, follow me. And we do that. I am the way. And then Jesus also says, I am the truth. I am the truth. I and none alone. There's none beside me. I am the truth. Now, we all know people that have trouble telling the truth. Do you have one of those in your life? Anybody that fishes here? Okay, you have one that has trouble in their life telling the truth, right? Anybody rides motorcycles? Okay, we know. Anybody skateboarders? We know about you people. I mean, we had a little girl that had trouble telling the truth. Maybe some of you had that. You know, it was a year or two where she just had trouble telling the truth. And so we'd go through a meal, and she'd say something, and we'd say, now, is that the truth? And she yeah, 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 that's the truth. I said, are you telling the truth? Yeah, yeah. Honey, are you really telling the truth? No, you know. We need the truth. We're not just supposed to tell the truth. Because what Jesus does, he doesn't just tell the truth. He is the truth. And when you are the truth, the only thing you can tell is the truth. The source of truth is always true. And truth, Keith said this a few weeks ago, truth is a representation of things as they are. Right? Uh, Let me give you a little bit of a fact-finding mission. I'll get an amen here. It's cold outside, right? Okay, so here we go. Let me tell you how we know it's cold outside. First, you all just said it was. 
Secondly, there's snow on the ground. Third, I fell in the parking lot on the ice yesterday after a, a, a wedding. That usually doesn't happen in the middle of the summer. You all wore your coats in, the furnaces are going on, and you're all complaining. Amen? It's cold outside. The facts there, the, the truth is representative of things as they are. We know it's <coughs> cold outside. <coughs> Pardon me. Jesus' teachings are the most perfect and complete representation of the things of the eternal world that can be presented to us. The, the facts are in, you see. Jesus lives the facts from God's perspective. That's what his truth is. He, he lives the facts from God's perspective. And Jesus' perspective is the author and the source of the entire creation who was and is to be knows what the facts are. See, the author and the source of things knows their creation. I, I remember my first year of seminary, and I was, I was pretty smart when I went to Iliff. You know, I was a smart guy, I thought, you know. I'm about three days into class, and I've got this professor, and he's going along, and we're supposed to have read three or four, you know, chapters or whatever. And he says, well, what do you think about this perspective? What does a, what does a, he does this, he does, does one of these. He says, what does the author say about this, Mr. Morgan? Mr. Morgan had not read what the author said, so... Mr. Morgan immediately went to, um, I can fool him. Well, I said, you know, the author says this, that, and uh, he really feels strongly about this. And I think it's, uh, he says, where do you find that? And I said, well, probably I think it's around page 65 where he says this or that. And then he says this. He says, no, I did not. I closed the book. It says, Charles Milligan. Oh, that's Charles Milligan. I better read this next class. <laughs> you know, you don't author with the, you don't argue with the author and the source, right? They know what's true. They know what they put down. You, you, you know, and Jesus is the author and source of all creation. It says in the very first words in the book that we're reading, John chapter one, in the beginning was the word. And the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, He is the author. He is the truth. Jesus is the truth because He's the author and the source of truth. There's no truth without Him. I am the way. I am the life. I am the truth. And I am, says Jesus, the life. So let's look at what that means for Jesus to be our life. See, the life means the way we're supposed to live the days we have. See, I, I, I know we say this, both your pastors say this all the time. We're not going to waste our lives, you know, in frivolous things, doing this, that, and the other. We can have fun and all that kind of stuff. But we're going to live our lives the way we're supposed to live in the days that we have. You see, Jesus is the life. He's not just an icon. You know, we have we have memorials to Jesus in, in the cross and some of the, the artwork that we have in the church, but Jesus is not an icon. He, he's not just something that, that, that we can gaze upon, and, and that's not what it's about. Jesus' life gives us opportunities. You see, our religion is not formed around a concept. Our, our faith is formed around a person. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ, and it's about his life and how it is that we pursue that life in, in our lives. See, what Jesus does is he joins the divine life to our life. He joins God's lives to the lives of men and women. In the Psalms it says, who are we that we matter to God? You ever had that sense or feeling? I know sometimes on 
you know, on dark Iowa nights, I'll sit there on my deck and look up the mass of stars and the, and the immense nature of the universe. And understand that there's one God in control of all that, that, that cares about everything in it. And that, that minuscule nature of who I am as a person just becomes really real to me. And I wonder, along with David, you know, thousands of years ago, who asked the question, who are we that we matter to God? And Jesus' answer in John 14 is, you're the ones I want. I go before you to prepare a place for you. Not, not for anyone. I prepare a place for you, individually you, specifically you, for the uniqueness that's, that's you. I go and prepare a place for you because you matter to God. And we know he's telling the truth because all of the temporal and eternal life is his. Everything that's happening right now is his. And everything that's ever happened, going to happen from now until beyond time is his. The created order is his. He is the Lord who is over it and can transcend it. He can, take a, uh, he can take a step away from the natural realities that he himself has, committed, has, has uh, created. No one else can. But he does all that so that we can see who he is. Look, look what it says in John chapter 10, verse 17 and, and following. We, we read this a few weeks ago. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me. But I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority. That's the key word here. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it back up again. You do not. You can lay your life down, but you can't pick it up again. He has the authority to lay lives down and pick them up. He has the ability to lay lives down, his own life. And we see that on the cross. And then we also see in an empty tomb that he picks it back up again. This command I received from my father. See, the life, <clears throat> when Jesus says, I am the life, he is saying the life is inextinguishable because it has no peer and it has no adversary that can extinguish it. The life is shown to us so that we might join it. But he won't force us. It's one of the most important things to know about our God. He won't force you to do anything. He says, here's the path. Here's the way. Here's the truth. Here's the life. Now, I want you to follow the way. I want you to embrace the life. I want you to live the truth. But I shall not force you because that reverses the greatest gift I ever gave you, which is free will. But we do know that if we affiliate with the way and the truth and the life, if we unite ourselves with that, then the rewards are great because those who are one with Christ are delivered from a life of bondage and sin and death to a life of freedom and eternity. And frankly, that's the life that I desire. And that's the life that's offered to you and me. So what's our appropriate response? And, and you, you will notice now that we're 14 chapters into John, that about 25% of our sermons are ending with the same call because Jesus' truth is so consistent and persistent but they end in the same place. A guy named Brian McLaren writes, you don't need to understand all this. Everything I've said, everything about the Gospels, you don't need to understand all this. You simply need to trust Jesus. 
Don't look away for a part away from him. Don't look for a way apart from him. Just trust him. Everything you need is in him. So trust him. Trust him completely. You know, you've seen this in your life. Someone trusting you completely. And you've trusted people completely. I remember one of my little girls was needing uh, tonsils out. You know, uh, fun day if you're a parent. Um, you know, she's just little and was uh, really scared beforehand. And the way the doctor did it, you know, and went in for the pre-op surgery or pre-surgical thing, uh, he gave her one of those masks, tiny little masks that they're going to put on her, mu- on her mouth for, um, uh, to, uh, for the anesthesia. And it had, the, it had an odor in it. She got to choose between two or three little smells, and she chose bubble gum. So that when she was falling asleep, she would smell bubble gum. And so we tried to comfort her like that, and we told her for several days ahead of time, you know, because I'm a believer that when they tell you you can have your tonsils out, just do it right then, right? Just don't give them time to think, but that's not how the doctors work. So, so we went to the hospital that day. She had her mask, and of course she was little enough, she was still having a little blanket and a, her dolly with her, and she, she got in the wagon. Then the surgical nurse was going to pull her down the hall to, to, to that, which, you know, of course, we, were, we had enough fear in our hearts anyway. But the look in that little girl's eyes was, I'm really afraid, but I trust you, Mom and Dad. I trust you completely with my entire life. And you see, the way we are to look towards Jesus is exactly the same. We are supposed to look at Christ and say, Lord, I trust you completely. Do with me what you would like me to do. Use me in the ways you would like to, because I fully and completely trust you. In the Wesleyan Covenant Prayer, which we say often, we say, I completely and fully yield all things to thy good pleasure, which means, Lord, use me however you want, because I trust you. So we trust him. And secondly, which we've heard over and over again, Jesus just simply says, follow me, follow him. Most everyone I've ever known wants to follow someone to do something great. Something that makes their life filled with purpose. That, that, that just gives them something that they can grab that's beyond themselves. Most every single one of us that's ever lived has, has some need to have this great purpose that our life is used for. And Jesus calls us to that. And not only does he call us to it, he doesn't just send us. He doesn't just say, go here, go here, go down there. He says, follow me and I'll take you where you need to go. That's his call. He says, simply follow me. Now, when Jesus says, I am the way and the truth and the life and no one comes to the Father but through me for the Christian and that's who we are, that is great news. That is cause for great thanksgiving. That is cause for praise. And so I hope in, in this week that's in front of us, maybe some of you are even having Thanksgiving dinners today and tomorrow and Wednesday and Thursday, all those kind of things. I hope that when you gather with your family, when you gather with your friends, or even when you're just contemplating as you eat a TV dinner alone, that you might take time and say, I am blessed beyond measure. I am thankful from the depths of my hearts. Because my God has given me a way. He has shown me the truth. And he has provided me a life that doesn't just stop right here, but extends to forever. That's my prayer for you. And I say that all 
In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Take a look at this.